one of those people who like I mirror people's language back to them pretty mm-hmm. quickly so uh as we've discussed many times when we go back to our sweet home north woods of Wisconsin <laughs> oh does it come out oh why, why aren't you at the VFW <laughs> why aren't you, aren't go- you all having a bloody mary I'm gonna go down to legion have a mary <laughs> oh, that's right sorry it's the legion yeah, excuse me. I definitely you. just got that wrong. Whoops. <laughs> oh, it's uh, been a while. So we should probably introduce <laughs> <Hi>. ourselves. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Miranda. <laughs> I'm Island. This is the Stitchcraft podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Episode Who Cares? We've lost track. <laughs> I mean, I could go look it up, but that would imply a level of concern about it that I just don't think is like anybody else cares about. No. no. No, it'll show up in order on your podcast list, right? Like it'll, it'll, it'll be how it's supposed to be. We're somewhere in the mid thirties, sort of like Miranda and me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny, Alan. Time's a (laughs) ticking. She says to the woman whose birthday is in three weeks. (laughs) Um, I remember one time I was in Hong Kong with my friend Eileen and we were a part of this um 20 somethings hong kong expat group but me and eileen were the oldest people there <laughs> everyone was like are you even in your 20s and eileen was like i'm in my mid to late 20s and they're like you're 28 and she was like like i said mid, mid to late, late. 20s. <laughs> yeah i had a similar conversation with um so a good friend of mine here in town um just got a tenure track job which is amazing that's rare um, now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she got hired into the College of Pharmacy here at University of Iowa, and she is going to be starting her lab tomorrow. Tomorrow is her first day officially as an assistant professor. So like I said, she's in the College of Pharmacy, and uh, I'm now realizing that's relevant for absolutely nothing. And it's Shinfo. Uh, it is Shinfo. We get yes. to say Shinfo, and I'm a fan of that phrase. Continue. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know that we've defined Shinfo before, but Shinfo is shit information that does not contribute at all to where the story is headed, even mm. a little bit. <laughs> so uh, when she got the job offer, this was like when we were already in quarantine. And so um, it was really sad because normally, you know, if somebody gets a job offer like that, you'd like go out and celebrate, whatever. And so uh, we decided to do it via Zooms. We're all sitting there cheersing each other. And she's like, you know, I just got to be honest. Like, it just feels really weird to be, you know, I just feel like I'm really old getting started. And I was like, bitch, how old are you? And she's like, 32. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, do you know how old I was? When I received my first, like when I started my first real job, I was 37. 37. You shouldn't die 32 exactly. years old. Exactly. With a tenure like... track. <laughs> oh my God. And like she said this, she said this in front of, it's like there was just the three of us on the Zoom happy hour thing. The other woman that was sitting with us had started her job around the same age. And Crystal was like, Marie, who are you calling old? Who are you, who's, who's old to be getting their job? Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> My um, friend Rachel always goes, that's rich. <laughs> like, that's <funny. laughs> 
<laughs> I can just hear her going, ah, that's rich. Old. <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking of nothing, but I yeah. did see you because we're on video. No one else can see us. Um, I saw you lift something delicious to your lips. What what's in your cup, Alan? Sure. Um, so I decided today to make a uh well I guess I would call it like a sort of a perfect Manhattan. Like it's not I don't think the proportions are correct for what most people think of when they think of a perfect Manhattan, but these are the proportions that I like. So um I am I am not a person who likes a really boozy drink, you know, like when you get uh, like a a dirty martini. I cannot with that. Like I love gin, but like a drink that is literally all gin with like a hint of vermouth and some pickle juice. I'm just like, oh, that's just ooh, it's too much. Um, <laughs> that was yes, a little Wisconsin coming out Wisconsin too. Wisconsin right there. I God, heard it. Jesus. <laughs> Everyone take a shot. <laughs> and that, well, that's what happens when I have too many boozy drinks is I say, whoo, whoo, with, oh, no. <laughs> without even noticing that I'm doing it. Um, so yeah, so I decided to make a Manhattan and the proportions that I like are basically, it's basically 50% um, whatever your liquor of choice is, if that's rye, if it's whiskey, if it's bourbon, whatever. So 50% that, 50% vermouth. And then the vermouth is divided half and half between dry vermouth and sweet vermouth. Oh. Hmm. So it, it might even be a drink that has a completely different name. Like, you know how sometimes the drink just changes its name, even though the ingredients are the same because the proportions are different? Mm -hmm. So this may not actually be a Manhattan, but the standard proportions would be like two of the liquor, one of the vermouth, that would be standard. And instead I'm doing one-to-one -one, and then the vermouth is divided up into the two different kinds of vermouth. I did a flow chart while drawing that out to make Perfect. sure I understood your, yeah. your vermouth mix. <laughs> yes, and then um, aromatic bitters, although you can also mm -hmm. use cherry bitters and that is quite delightful as well. And a cherry, because it's not a Manhattan if you don't have a cherry. Is that true? It's how I feel about it. I feel very strongly about it. <laughs> your your ice queen face came on real strong. Like, that's how I feel about it. And I was like, and scene. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the only thing about this that's particularly Iowa, because I, I feel like, you know, we often feature you know, local drinks or think, uh, beverages from places that we've traveled to. Um, the thing that is Iowan about this is that the um, bourbon that I put in it, I actually took a picture so I would remember. I took a picture because I knew I wouldn't remember um, the details about the bourbon. So this is bourbon from Cedar Ridge, which is um, in Swisher, Iowa. It's about 15 minutes away from here. And Cedar Ridge um, is a distillery and a winery. Um, and uh, this is their port cask finished bourbon, which I like a lot. They have other bourbons. They actually also just made a, um, a single malt whiskey, which is rare for an American company to do. Um, yeah. So we haven't tried that one yet because it only just got released last weekend, but they, they make good stuff. Um, I cannot say that I feel the same way about their wines, but I'm, I, so two things. Um, Midwestern wines are not where it's at, and I also don't like wine. So even if it were good, it would make no difference to me. I wouldn't be drinking it. Um, but their spirits, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, all I can think about is everything, like, well, everything that I'm saying is amusing you today. It really is. Only because, like, when I think about every time someone's like, it, there's wine here. And I was like, cool, where's the hangover? Like, can't wait. It's all sweet wines here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there aren't just sweet wines, but it's predominantly sweet wines. Well, and, I, and I will say that I, I, I take back my statement about Midwestern wines not being where it's at, like, full stop. Um, because there are some sparkling wines from northern Michigan that are really good, that are really, really nice. Um, I just, 
And I got, I had, I think I got one red wine um, from from the Leelanau Peninsula, like Black Star Farms, I think it's called, that I liked. But I think that they don't grow all of their grapes themselves. Mm. Um, and that's fine, right? Like, it, I don't, I'm not one of those well, people who feel like all the ingredients well, have to come from that, that place. And also, and, to be fair, in California, most wines are not made off of the states. They're not, uh, you know completely grown on the estate a lot of people just buy from other farmers so mm-hmm. it's it's not unusual so yeah and the climate and think, doesn't really allow it for where right at. and I think that in uh in the midwest people do try to do that like they try to make it from fruit that they grew um and so it is it does end up being fruit wine it does end up being really sweet and there are very specific moments that I think it tastes good but most of the time it's not it's not really my my jam but Anyway, that's a very long story for the fact that I am I'm drinking in Manhattan. That's what I'm having. How about you? <laughs> I am having a beer from a local brewery that I have just recently heard about. It's been around a while, so I am not um, I am not breaking news on this. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many breweries here in the Midwest. We know this, but um, there's a brewery called uh, it's called Prize pretty sure I'm saying it right. I've been corrected many times by a friend who actually works there sometimes. Um, so I feel, oh, but I've been drinking every time I was corrected. So we'll see if this sticks. Anyways, it's prize, but it's spelled P-R-Y-E-S. So I immediately okay. want to be like, prior? Prize? Like, I'm not very good. That's supposed to be prize, I guess. Anyways, so I'm having the Royal Raspberry Sour Ale, and it is tart and delicious. Um, it is, uh, so it's a raspberry sour, um, and it's on the lower end. It's like 4.8% alcohol. Um, but I just, it's really like, it almost reminds me of a Lambeck. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of that style, but not uh, so sweet. Mm-hmm. Like those are, you can't drink a lot of, but because this is a little on the more sour side, but not like, it's not destroying and making me feel very dry or anything like that or like removing all flavor from my mouth um it's really good it's really just a drinkable sour hence why they make it in a large can so yeah yeah I like it I feel like that's it's it's the because summertime has come around it is a lot of breweries are releasing those kinds of things um which I'm always a fan of like I've I really really enjoy uh, kettle sours and things like that. They just feel very refreshing to me and they tend to be really low alcohol, which is what I want in the summertime. Right. Accidentally drunk in the summertime is not where it's oh, at. No, I think I often, whenever I think about getting drunk in the summertime, I want you to think about this. What is your, what is a memory associated with getting drunk in the summertime that you regret? And I'll start because I already have a <laughs> crystal clear there used to be, and I think this actually still might exist, but due to the pandemic, it's probably been um, off the table for a while. Uh, but there was a beer festival called German Park um, back in Ann Arbor. Oh, <laughs> yes. No one can see your face, Island, but you know you knew exactly what I was about to go to. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I had not married my um, husband at the time yet, but we were still dating. And I always wanted to go to German Park, but I was always like, it's only once a month in the summertime and I was always working or I hadn't come back from college yet. So I just missed a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got to go, mama took it to the limit. I was wearing a tube dress. (laughs) (laughs) I was like going through a really strong. Well, I I feel like it's also really, really important to set the scene for what German Park is because it sounds like maybe it's not so bad. But it is. It's, it's awful. like German Park is this event that is put on by the German American Association, whatever, of of Southeast Michigan. And it is an outdoor, I don't know, uh everything is outdoors and they have like these permanent structures that are sort of like a like what you would see at like a state fair. So it's like um 
wooden shacks where you can line up to get your food. Like this is definitely not coronavirus friendly. You <laughs> no. got, like, it's probably not even legal. <laughs> I mean, it's borderline legal, I think. And so uh, you've got this enclosed system. So it's got a fence all around it. And it's really high fences because they know that people are going to try to get in without paying the entrance fee. Right. And the entrance fee is like $10 or something. But so it pays you, the polka band. So that's exactly you so, pay for yeah. the, the polka band, the the dancers that are doing their competitions and all of that. All of that, by the way, most people who go to German Park don't even know that there's like dance competitions happening that day because what people have gone there for is the food and the literal buckets of beer. Buckets, buckets of fucking buckets beer. of beer. And so you, you pay your $10 <laughs> to get inside this fenced in area that one of our dear friends has commented kind of looks like you're voluntarily paying to walk into a detention facility <laughs> because it is you ain't getting out <laughs> it doesn't look like a place that you're meant to leave you know no, and um so there's all good. these wooden structures where you buy your beer you buy your food all that kind of stuff and then just rows upon rows upon rows of um picnic tables where people sit and hang out. And usually what people do is because you paid the 10 bucks to get inside and you can't, there's no re-entry. Like if you walk out, you're paying that $10 to walk back in again. Um, people just camp out. They bring their right. games, cards, whatever. Their children. <laughs> yep. Um, it's yeah. hot. It's sweaty. I think, I think about German park and I think about flop sweat. I just think about it and I think about how the women were in the kitchen serving spatzel and Wiener schnitzel and like cabbage, but then only the men could sell the sausage. And I was just like, what kind of weirdness is this? And I remember the other thing is you couldn't pay cash directly because it's a fraternity yeah. and they have to like have a whole system. So you had to go and buy tokens or tickets, mm -hmm. but you had to have the wherewithal to actually make it to the, the ticket counter to buy more tickets if you needed them. And I just remember, like, we'd all, like, who's the most sober that can go up there and get get the ticket? And, and actually finagle the ticket purchase. <laughs> and I remember, like, you could, they could give you a single beer. But why would you ever do that? Like, you would obviously get the bucket of beer with a drilled it's, hole in it. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, it, it's, you save oh. so much money buying the bucket. So much money, but not your dignity. Oh my no. god! <laughs> and I just remember, like, I remember, like, going, oh, I don't really like beer, but everyone's like, well, your choices is a bucket of wine or a bucket of beer, and I was like, oh no, I am not doing this wine. But I saw, I saw a whole lot of white girls wasted on some buckets of like pink wine. It was all, like just clearly from a box. Like it was. So, oh, Alan, hold your. Hold your judgment. Leave that judgment to Jesus. <laughs> everyone is making decisions, okay? Anyways, I just remember, so when I think about when I got super wasted there, because it was my first time and I was so excited, I also wanted to make sure I didn't get any weird tan lines. So, of course, I wore a strapless dress. I was really into a really strong strapless dress phase. And I think I might have had a bucket of beer to myself, because everyone that I was with was like, just get your own bucket. And I was like, okay, this is a good idea. And... I fell asleep on top of the picnic table. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, you were probably in good company. Oh, I was probably in good company, but also German Park doesn't go late. It stops at like 8 or something. Like 9 p.m. Like, or something. Are, you are sunburnt. You are dried out like Tara Reid after a cruise. And you are just, and also Tara Reid forever. She's great. I'm, I'm not judging that woman at all. But we all had moments of getting crispy like that. And I definitely... I had to get picked up off the table and I believe that someone had to help me shimmy my dress further up like because my my uh strapless bra was hanging out because I'm not a big titty girl oh man that was the time that was a good time <laughs> and also I used to wear my hair all big so it was just hairspray matted down because I fell asleep on my back just <laughs> is this also when you were wearing winged eyeliner Every day, Probably. like you wore winged eyeliner every day. It was a scene. It was a look. It was a <laughs> commitment. And I'm sure that that winged eyeliner was just streaks down my face from dancing with old men to polka. 
like, oh God, it was a disaster. So whenever someone's like, don't get drunk in the daytime in the summer, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Like I've, I've had my own personal story of don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's my story. What's your story? about? Well, I've been trying to think about my story. Um, <laughs> and it, I'm not trying to say that I don't have one. I just can't off the top of my head. I can't think of like some uniquely stupid shit I did that like mm. really stands out in my mind. It's more like this series of times that I've made bad decisions and just just ended up with a really shit hangover at like 5 p.m. You know, yeah. like that's not cute. It's not cute. It's not cute. Oh, I actually, you know what? I can tell you the the biggest, hottest mess I made of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here for it. Because of summertime. This is not the biggest mess I ever made of myself, period. That's a different story. <laughs> but the biggest mess that I made of myself because of summertime was, um, and we are really going to earn our explicit rating during this story. Um, so don't listen to this with your children. Uh, I had gone to New York for a friend's bachelorette party. So the friend was having her bachelorette party at another friend's apartment in New York, uh, in New York city. And this, I can't remember if it was July or August, but it was like peak summertime in New York. And if you've ever been in New York City in the summertime, uh, every it block smells awful. Is <laughs> it's a different smell. The whole city smells like piss and hot garbage. The whole city. And awful. somehow none of those streets make wind tunnels that help you cool off. So it is just there's no there's no trees um, unless you go to the park, but like most of the time there's no trees. It's just all cement, all concrete, reflecting the sun back at you. It, bleh. And, yeah. uh, and so that. And people's gum sticking to your shoes again. Some oh old God. ass chewing gum sticks to your shoes. Oh. That's the thing I hate. If you stand still too long in New York, you're just like, oh. Yeah, people are like, oh, it's the asphalt melting. I'm like, no, that is old gum. No, that's old gum, bitch. Rehydrating <laughs> and sticking to your shoes. <laughs> So um, I'd, I'd gone for my friend's bachelorette party and it was in a friend's apartment. And so we had spent the day between like, I don't know, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., something like that, going around and picking up all the things for the bachelorette party. So we had gone and picked up food. We picked up booze. We picked up water, which nobody drank enough of. Um, decoration. For, this is foreshadowing, I believe. Right. And so, um, I thought that I was rehydrating sufficiently after all of this. And I'm a super sweaty person. So like, I really have to drink a lot of water on days like this. I didn't, it didn't cut it. And so then problem number two is that the, so that's all problem number one. Problem number one is that I spent the day hiking around the city, picking things up and hauling heavy things back. <laughs> so the <laughs> thing number two is that we had purchased all of the booze, but then the, the person who was hosting the party had decided that she would hire a student to run the bar. So she would hire a bartender so that she didn't have to do all the bartending, which seems like a brilliant idea until you realize that like, it's an undergrad from fucking NYU. I don't have that kind of tolerance anymore. I was like a medical student by this no, time. No, that's, that's, that's like vodka with a splash of juice. Yeah. Well, and so that, so I didn't realize um, that her tolerance and the way that she was going to mix the drinks was going to be much higher than mine. It was going to be much worse than if you went to a bar. Um, and she's getting paid by the hour. So it doesn't matter how quickly the booze runs out or doesn't run out. Like she's going to get paid the same. And she's trying to, she's approaching it like she's a college girl. She's like... I got you. Did you want to run a Coke? You want to run a special Coke? You know, like you weren't, anyway. You wanted a double, right? Yeah, double tall. Oh, boy. So at around, I want to say 9 p.m., I was done for. Like, dun, 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 dun. And I was wearing a dress that was pretty short, 
Well, when you fall over onto a bed in front of other people, oh. a short dress becomes a shirt. <laughs> and then at that point, everybody else at the party is like, oh, she's not doing so well. And I was like, I'm not doing so well. <laughs> Meanwhile, the party is still happening. Like nothing about the party has shut down. Nothing about it is slowing down. Everybody else was very measured in their intake as best I can tell, but except me. I was in such a bad state that this dude, I know that, so it's a bachelorette party, right? But then of course everybody's like, oh, we just want to hang out with everybody's friends. So people's friends come over and this dude comes up to me. He's never met me before. And he was like, you don't look like you're feeling very well. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> and he was like, do you want some Coke? And I was like, I don't think Coca-Cola is a good idea right now. He's like, no, I mean, Coke. Like, do you want some Coke to like wake you up? And I was like, <laughs> and of course, like I'm a medical student and a goody two shoes. And I was like, I think that if I mix my drugs right now, I'll be I, like, my heart could explode. <laughs> Like, no, sir, I can't. <laughs> I was like, like as, drunk, as drunk as I was, you I still, so like, I, I couldn't possibly do that. I've never done cocaine in my life. I have no idea what effect it'll be on my physiology. And I'm drunk already. Like, I'm already a mess. I don't need an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ruin this bachelorette party further. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. That is so great and also what a new york fucking thing to happen because the guy's like do you need some coke to like no, bitch no how about a glass of water let's start no, there. Let's, like, let's just yeah yeah as miranda would say let's just see if we can get this bitch to drink some water <laughs> i have gotten you to drink some water under some very troubling circumstances. trying circumstances <laughs> yes yes so yeah, um, that, that's my summer story, definitely. <laughs> you know, so that's why we like uh, low ABV kettle sours yes. in the summertime. <laughs> I am a fan. I am a fan. I'm also a big fan of like wine spritzers in the summer because you don't know Ooh. your strength. I love a shandy. So. Ooh, a shandy. Fuck yes. Oh, there's a couple. And now that I'm back in the Midwest, people will pour me a shandy. Or a badger. For whatever reason, people have decided they call them Rattlers now. And I was like, okay, whatever. If that makes yeah, you feel cooler. It's that brand, Rat. Like, I forgot what it, who it's by, but there's this called Rattler. And that's, like, also. It's a German. It's by German. It's German. Yeah. yeah. But isn't mm-hmm. Shandy German, too? Mm, I don't know. I don't think it's. Only, if I only know. the German park people made Rattlers, mm-hmm. maybe some of us would still be, you know, with dignity. Maybe <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'd probably just drink more. <laughs> you dumbass. Anyways, um, good times all around. Nothing, nothing like it. So yeah, mind your business this summer, guys. Especially with all these home pours. That's I think the big thing is like because everyone's home with the, for this pandemic, or if they're working when they get home after dealing with fucking people all day and like. Mm just being behind the mask like you're just like you're done you're fucking done you're especially like going through all the motions of your regular job and then you have to deal with crazy people yeah I get it you'll want to have a drink when you get home but these home pours are dangerous like I keep seeing memes out there that was like hey bartenders when this is all over we're really sorry that we're going to keep telling you we can't taste the alcohol because we've been pouring at home for a long time now like it's we're going to forget what a good cocktail is <laughs> and I was like damn they're right they're right Ooh, yeah. I came across a thing <clears throat> that is non-alcoholic that is super delightful Ooh, do that I want to share. I'm... Please tell. Um, so I, I think the last time that we recorded, I had made a batch of Orjat. I think I did. Um, anyway, so... I was looking up different things that you could put orgeat in because uh, when you make a batch of it, it's a big batch, but I don't drink that many tiki drinks. So I had to figure out like, what am I going to put this in? And uh, there was a a website that had described a mocktail that is, wow, that just got very Wisconsin, a mocktail um, (laughs) that was, uh, is 
two ounces grapefruit juice. And if you can get like fresh grapefruit juice, mm. so two ounces grapefruit juice, one ounce lime juice, and however much orgeat you want to like make it a little bit sweet, whatever your proportions are. It is so crisp and refreshing and delightful. And it serves all the purposes that I feel like a cocktail serves for me, like having a more um, complicated flavor profile than just like straight up juice. Um, and uh, is like a little bitter, a little bit sour, a little bit sweet. It was just, it was nice. Is there, in Orjot, is there, is there any alcohol? I don't no. remember. Okay. Oh, well, I suppose. Or is it ferment? You, oh, no, 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 it doesn't ferment. But okay. Like when you make your own at home, the instructions will say that for like a half liter bottle or a liter bottle, you should add a shot of cognac to stabilize it. But if you're making it at home, you can just leave that out. And I suspect most store-bought versions don't have that in there at all. Right. Makes sense. Okay. Cool. It's basically like a fancy simple syrup. It's just made with almonds instead of just plain sugar. A friend of mine is, well, I'd say a friend, a bunch of people I know are making uh, kombucha right now, mm-hmm. as well as ciders, or not ciders, uh, vinegars. Ooh, uh, like a drinking vinegar? vinegar? Yeah, drinking Ooh, vinegar. Ooh, I love a shrub. Oh, yes. I love a shrub. So I'm, I'm kind of like, yes, bring your, bring, bring these other flavor profiles to the fold. I feel like the pandemic has allowed a lot of people to get a lot craftier. So yeah. I'm into it. Well, and that's a good segue to our next section. Okay. But once you've been crafting. Well, um, I can start, but I'll admit that it's not very strong at the moment. I would say that um, I just finished my line review for spring, summer. and Spring, summer 2021? 2021, yep. Um, and that is a fucking trip. Sorry to swear, but I'm just like working in a pandemic and working from home and getting everyone on the same page that can't touch and feel things or see things, you know, up close and personal. It was just quite a challenge. It's been a lot of work. So it's taken me a little bit more of a song and dance to get things done, but um, it's been good. Um, And then also doing work on Target's Pride collection. I do very, a very small amount of it, but I've been, I just had a line review for that. Not line review, a, uh, a preview for that recently. So just a lot of work stuff. It's just taken up more time than planned. Um, I mean, your, your work is crafty work. It is crafty work. And then the other thing that I've been doing is I provide two hours of activism every day. Or I guess I don't say, I don't want to say the word provide, but I carve out two hours every single day for activism as far as, um, you know, furthering Black Lives Matter and, um, just overall um, defunding the police. That's my jam. So, <laughs> I'm like trying to find a nice way of putting it, but yeah. So I've just been. Oh, that is a nice way of putting it. Defunding <laughs> the police is nice. It's pretty clear. It's pretty straightforward. Um, so yeah, I've been spending at least two hours, sometimes more per day on um, locating charities that need help for fundraising efforts um, or donations, monetary stuff for donations. I'm also helping to like spread information, um, whether it's like a local event where people can get distributed goods, or maybe it's about an upcoming rally or march. So I'm kind of doing a whole lot of that. That Mm -hmm. is probably what's taken a lot of my brain power. Yeah. So those are, that's what I've been working on. And I'm trying, I would definitely give even more time to that if I could, but I have to cut myself off at two hours um, based on the fact that I still have work to do and I still need to sleep and do other things like that. I'm just one of those people that when I'm really interested in something, I go all in. So like mm-hmm. giving myself a time frame is needed. So, well, yeah, yeah, I sort of think about it the same way as any of the other um, activities that, that I would engage in. Like you say, like you, what you don't want is you don't want to like dive into it so hard that you run through your energy for it because this is a marathon and not a sprint so so yeah I think um if you and I I think we discussed this during our last episode that you sort of 
run the risk of like running yourself ragged. Like you're so excited about something that you do like this cathartic big thing and it feels like you did a big thing. And then, you know, two or three days later, two or three weeks later, two or three months later, you're, you haven't taken good care of yourself such that you're able to continue doing the consistent stuff that, that really is going to make the change that you want to make. You know, I think like, it's awesome that so many people got on board and have been vocal about their support of these things, but I can already tell like people are lagging and um, Mm -hmm. it's not to guilt people. Everyone's got things going on in their lives, but you know, I don't have kids, so I should stay focused. I should stay on top of it. And I know that people will step in when they can. So if I stay on top of sharing information, people will join me at the next March that I'm able to go to. So I think that's, that's been really rewarding. So yeah. And I think similarly, you know, where I work, uh, I have found some colleagues that are really interested in the same type of, uh, social justice, really interested and engaged in, um, trying to figure out like institutionally, what can we change? But that work can't all be done by one person and it can't all be done at one time. It must be something that is staged out over time because you do, again, you run the risk of either running out of steam or um, being so quick to change so many different things that make you feel better that you don't bother to check to see whether or not the things you changed made the difference that you wanted them to. you know, we're scientists, so we want to, we want to do an intervention or, you know, uh, we want to do something. And then we want to measure whether or not it had the consequences that we hoped for. And if it didn't, then we have to revisit our methods again, tweak our methods, try another time. So you have to be measured about it. One of the things that's been good for us, I think, is that we sort of, um, the colleagues and I that are interested in these kinds of activities have sort of traded off so that no one person is the spokesperson for everybody and no one person is responsible for doing everything. Um, And to make sure that uh, we check in with each other and make sure that we've um, like seen whether or not they're doing okay. If they do have other things in their lives that are coming up, um, if they have, if they've met other people that want to participate and also be part of this sort of like decentralized activity network. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely support that. Well, enough about the things I'm all fixated on. What are you working on? So, um, I have been working on, like, I, I really like craft wise focused on making a wrap for a friend of mine and I talked about this in the podcast before, it's a wrap that I, I wouldn't say that I designed it because I did not develop the stitch pattern, but um, I took a stitch pattern from a stitch library, a stitch um, dictionary, and laid it out to uh, make a wrap that was as wide and as long as my friend wanted. And I made it out of uh, Wool in the Gang, shiny happy cotton in 101 Dalmatian. So it's almost entirely white with little specks of black. And the pattern is this open V pattern, which if we haven't featured it on the Instagram feed, we we'll, did. Yeah. Oh, we did. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it was with an applied I cord edge all the way around to make just sort of like a nice, neat finished piece. Um, so I finished that and I finished Repairing your shawl. So if any of you are new listeners, we have to take a full photo of that. (laughs) Ooh, you might have to do it because I, I've wrapped it up nicely and I don't want to unfurl it. I might have a photo of it when you gave it to me for my birthday a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So if anybody's a new listener, um, Many years ago, I made Miranda a shawl for her birthday that is, uh, the pattern is called Celestarium, and it is a two-dimensional map of the constellations of the Northern Hemisphere, and 
the whole thing is a pie shawl. So it's a perfect circle, or it would be a perfect circle if I were a perfect knitter, <laughs> but it's basically a circle um, where the North Star is in the center of the shawl. And so the um, shawl is kind of, Miranda picked out this color that's like a dark eggplanty purple from um, Malabrigo. So it's Malabrigo sock yarn in this eggplanty color. And I can't remember the actual name of the color. It might be eggplant, but anyway. Um, then uh, the beads were clear beads with white centers. So they kind of offset from the dark purple. And yeah, so I made it several years ago and we are a big family of, you know, like when you have a precious thing, you use it, right? Like you bring it out, like you don't pack up your China and store it in a box and never ever look at it. You, you use it. You and when these it. things are used, things happen. Um, so a puppy got to the shawl <laughs> and in fairness to the puppy, the damage that she wrought was very minor in the sense that like she did not destroy it. Like it was imminently fixable, but there's like these little puncture marks where her teeth were. And, um, it took me a really long time to fix it because I'm just, as a person who's crafty, this probably sounds kind of funny. Um, I have terrible, terrible, terrible visual spatial skills. They're just fucking horrible. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I would, I would lay the shawl out and I would see where the hole was and I could see what I needed to do to fix it. But it was very hard for me to um, thread the yarn, the repair yarn through that to make it look like knit stitches. It's, just, it's, it's very hard to describe why I was having this problem, but I'm very bad at it. Like I'm phenomenally bad with my visual spatial skills. So um, it just, it took me a lot more effort than I think it would take the average person to repair also, those holes. I'm, I'm interrupting you only to say like, because it's a pie shawl, it has constantly increasing uh, stitches. So it's not Correct. cut and dry. Like you can't just be like, oh, I know I need to do this many by this many. Like you have to make sure that you taper or add on in right. the repair, which I think is kind of complicated. Because it can be, although it, most of the places that the holes were at were not at places where I had to figure that out. Oh, um, okay. I think probably the toughest part for me was that um, the the way the the holes occurred, um, the the yarn had been set into place for so long that they it because it was 100% wool so wool will set like it will hold its shape it's beautiful for that like that's part of the reason reason it's so fun to work with is that like if you make a mistake you can go fix it because the yarn will like it has memory it'll hold on to yeah. that for you but what that meant was that it looked like the hole didn't even it hardly existed but in reality if you want to fix it you have to make the hole bigger to truly repair it so that it won't fall apart the next time it's picked up and pulled. Um, and that was emotionally hard for me to do because the bigger you make the hole, the less confident I am that I can fix it. Any other person, like, again, I, I'm, I, I truly think that most people wouldn't struggle this much with it, but because of my personal limitations, um, the bigger I made the hole, the more scared I got. But you have to do that in order to make a good repair um, and the fuck out of me too. <laughs> like I said, the yarn like remembers where it was. So like, it's got this wavy pattern to it. Well, that wavy pattern wants to hold in the exact same position that it was in before, but that's not where there's no stitches there anymore. But visually it looks like there are, it looks like there's stuff in that space because the yarn remember like it. Yeah. It still, it still thinks it's there. So you have to like try to figure out how you're going to flatten that out. So you don't trick yourself into thinking that there are stitches that are there that are not. And blah, blah, blah. anyway, it's all done. Never just don't look at it from the other side. Don't you, worry. <laughs> you will very quickly see where the repairs were. Um, yeah, that was my big thing. And then uh, the other thing I've been working on is um, 
I wouldn't say I'm working on it because it doesn't feel like work, but it's sort of like my my brain download time is uh, working on that granny stripe crochet blanket oh. that I've been working on. Which I accidentally called it a knit, but it is a crochet. It is a crochet. I was I was corrected. Yes. Apologies. Yeah. So I have I have like a, a list of um, things over here to keep track of like what it is that I could be working on. Um, so I still make, uh, masks like fabric masks. Um, and I've been slowly, but surely, um, seaming together a sweater that I made. And that, um, because that takes a lot of thinking on my part, that's something that I, uh, I pick it up maybe on the weekends and then I set it back down again because it, I don't want to become frustrated with it. I want it to be something that I still enjoy and that when I'm done with it, I, I really like the product. So um, the progress on that is not fast, but I am happy with those things. And I'll, I'll share those with you guys when, um, when they're finished. They are all sweaters you've heard about before because most of those sweaters have been finished and sitting in bags in pieces for maybe a year. Well, if it makes you feel better, I will be, I'm taking time off of work this week to clean my kitchen table, which is filled with samples and all of my potting stuff so that I can get my sewing machine out and finally attack some repairs. Mm -hmm. That's really the, the things I have to do is I have to repair some bags, some jeans for folks. And then I do have some sewing projects I'm excited to start but I don't want to give away too much because it involves some things that we received as a wonderful gift with Ooh. love from, from New Zealand. Yes. I'm way fucking pumped. You know Stay who you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so, yeah, I, I get you, girl. You got you to pace yourself. You got to enjoy things. And you want to make sure you do a good job. It is not something to be rushed. No, none of these things are things. None of the things that we've talked about today are things to be rushed. Especially drinking in the summertime, not to be rushed. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we get the gold stars? Yes. All right. Do you want to start? Sure. So I have two. And in the spirit of um, the fact that this has been a very non-PG podcast episode, we usually do a, a decent job, I think, of being a little more uh, child-friendly. I have a gold star that I think is child and family friendly and one that I think is less so. Um, so the one that is child and family friendly, I, maybe not child because if you're under the age of three, they would not find this entertaining. But I think this is a, it's an appropriate family show and it's on HBO and it's called We're Here. Yes. Great show. Oh my God. Do I love that show? So if you've been living under a rock, or you don't have uh, HBO. Well, I think I think that you would, might have still seen ads for it, but well, anyway. Also, you can watch it on YouTube. I think you can watch. I think that they've allowed that or something. Mm. Or at least maybe for June because it's uh, Pride Month. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, so we're here. Is uh, a sh uh, it's like I guess I would call it a mini series. Like they call it a show on HBO, but it's only six episodes. And when I was growing up, that was a miniseries. <laughs> um, although one of the main people on the show just announced that they did get signed for a season two. And I'm so proud. Um, oh, it's such a good show. Awesome. So the premise is basically that uh, there are three people who are professional drag queens. And what they do is they go to different towns where you might not expect that there is a big drag community and they put on with the community, like the community sort of leads the charge on providing the people who are going to perform in the show. And uh, the professional drag queens come to this town. They've been invited to the town by somebody who lives there or many somebodies who live there. And the professional drag queens help the local drag queens or the local people who want to participate in the drag show put right. on a professional looking show and what's I think so and I just, go ahead I just I just love so much that it just adds a little bit of polish to some shows that already existed 
Mm-hmm. And it just creates a great deal of excitement in the community. Yep. And uh, continue. I'm cutting you off because I'm excited because I love this show. Okay. Oh, it's so. so good. So the the drag queens are people that you might have heard of because all of them were people who were on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race at some point or another. So there is Shangela, who I think is the most, she is the most, um, like, she's been in the most, she's, she's been around the longest in terms of RuPaul's Drag Race fame, because she was like in season two. Right. And then, um, but I don't know that she's actually older than the other queens or more experienced than the other queens, but she's the one who like is has been in the popular eye probably for the longest um, nationally because she started like she was on season two of Drag Race. And then uh, Bob the Drag Queen, who I think was the winner of maybe like season eight or season nine. I can't remember exactly which season Bob the Drag Queen won. Um, and then Eureka O'Hara, who I think was on an even later season. I actually haven't gotten to the seasons that uh, Bob and Eureka were on. But anyway, so it's these three drag queens. And um, I think probably what's most, uh, there's a lot of elements of culture shock about this show, right? So you have three drag queens, all of whom are cis gay men in real life. So they're cisgender gay men who professionally are drag queens, uh, two are black, one is white. So of course, mostly they're going to, if they're if they're being invited to a place that doesn't have a huge drag community, they're going to a place that's very rural and very white. Let's just be yep. very, very honest. Yeah. Um, that, is, that is most of the communities that they're gonna end up in. Um, and what you see is just like, that these little towns or these, um, these places that you've you've never been to have so much, um, I don't know, they have so many interesting people living there. They have so much interesting history. They have so much going on that you might not have thought of, like Twin Falls, Idaho, or um, Branson, Missouri. Like they're not places that are necessarily high on everybody's list as like places you want to, like as soon as, quarantine is over, you're going to run off and, and take a vacation in these places. But there's but definitely communities there. There you know? are communities there. And yeah. that's the whole point. Like we're here. The point of the title is that we're here is not about the drag queens, the professionals who came to that town. We're here is about the people who are already there. The people who already lived in that town, who are part of those communities. They're there. And the whole thing is just, I mean, it's HBO, right? So the cinematography is gorgeous and the music is spot on. And like everything about it is just, I love it. Perfect. Just kiss. Just kiss. <laughs> so it's Pride, we're wrapping up Pride Month now. Um, strong recommend that you watch this show um, because it is both uplifting and challenging and it has a lot of difficult moments and it doesn't shy away from the difficult moments. It doesn't shy away from people really struggling with figuring out how to relate to each other and really struggling with um, figuring out how they're going to, how they're going to change to match their values. Right? Like this is, it's huge. Um, So that's the thing that I would say is like family friendly. I absolutely think it's family friendly. Like, there's some curse words in it, but, like... But it's still actually a lot of the families are involved in the drag show. Yeah. kids. So yeah. It's really great. Absolutely. So I, I personally believe that we're here as family-friendly. Um, the one that is not family-friendly is also um, RuPaul's Drag Race alums. This one is free, though. And it is a show that I'm not joking you. It's called... Uh, have you watched this I have not yet no oh you should because one of the people on the show is our people oh from the great north woods of Wisconsin Trixie Mattel oh I didn't know Trixie Mattel's from Wisconsin Trixie Mattel is from the great north woods bless their heart okay I did not know that Mm. I'm learning I'm learning Mm. (laughs) Mm. that is your 
<laughs> so That's your second gold star. <laughs> second gold star is for uh, which is a YouTube show featuring mm-hmm. Trixie Mattel and Katya. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of them, I think, were season seven. And this is not child friendly. Like it would require so much explanation. There is a whole lot of um, a lot of things that I think small children are probably not prepared to learn about. <laughs> But number one, it's completely free. And number two, it is watching them feels like, like I get the same feeling as when I talk to you. It's like watching siblings interact with each other and just (laughs) genuinely believe that the other is a fantastic human being with all of their foibles and flaws. They make each other laugh so much. And just everything about it is, Oh, I love it. It's the bluest of blue humor. Very blue. Okay. Understood. (laughs) Just putting that out there. (laughs) But hey, you get what you, you get what you're going in for. That's all right. It's true. And I just, oh, I love it so much. Those are my, my two, my two gold stars. Excellent. Um, All right. My gold star is not nearly as fun. I just had the one and that was around recognizing where you're getting your sources of information and Mm -hmm. not about, it's not about, Oh, is this right or not? Right. Because I think that there's a whole lot of racist shit and white supremacy in looking at current articles on major publications. I think there's a whole lot of things that are troubling there. But what I am trying to say is that if you are getting a lot of information from a certain source or a person, you should pay them what they're worth. They're mm-hmm. putting in a lot of effort and time. And right now, especially during a pandemic when so many people don't have uh, regular work, this is the best time to support others. If you're able to sit at home and work, awesome. And that means that you're also looking at Instagram or Facebook and you know lots of places for information and to learn more. Paying those people for their posts as you repost them Mm-hmm. paying them for quoting them all these things are really important I think it's also especially given that it's pride month a lot of the people who are spending a lot of time educating are of many different backgrounds and of many different walks and you have to think about how much work they're putting in in order to educate you while also dealing with their own um personal struggles shit mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard out there for a bitch, but damn, you have to just remember that all these people are, they're making infographics. They might be really crafty and creative and they're making infographics that you get to repost. You might just be reposting their information because they're helping to organize events, pay them. Like, and I know that doesn't seem, it might be a novel idea, but it's important because it helps, it helps them to keep going because eventually they might burn out. And we need to keep these sources of information going. And sorry, mine's a little somber, but. No, I think it's more. really good, though. And, and I will actually, I'll, I'll add to that with a little bit of self-disclosure. So I have always been someone who personally, I liked the idea of reparations. I still do. I still think reparations are really important. And Agreed. as a person who grew up very poor, it felt very awkward to me to hand cash to another person. Because when we were growing up, someone handing cash to you meant that they thought you were poor. You were broke as fuck. And like, here's your, here's some money to make you here's feel some better. Charity. No here's one some charity. Here's some charity. That they're a part of the charity problem, right? Right. And like, you and I both know what it is like to be there. Where like, Growing up, your clothes come, your clothes are only hand-me-downs, not even from like a charity shop. Like they're just straight up, like you, you get yeah. only, your clothing only comes from other human beings who are done with it now. And um, it, it, we could go, I could go on, but like it felt bad to receive cash from people because it felt like they were saying you couldn't do it on your own. And so the first time that anybody ever suggested to me that I pay somebody 
for something that I saw on Instagram or something that I shared from Instagram, it felt very weird to me. Like I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I, I felt like, God, is this the same thing? Like, am I just like, you know, am I, am I like, I just felt, it felt super, super awkward. Um, but the more I thought about it and the more that I've heard from people who are creators of information, infographics, who generate um, memorable content that makes it easier for you to be anti-racist going forward, like that's work. And paying them cash is essentially what you and I get when we go to our jobs. And we get on the dollar more than they do for the exact same jobs, right? So like, even if they have a full-time job that they are continuing to do, the odds are that they're not making the same as a white person. They're not, they're certainly not making the same as a white man for the same job. So is it shitty to pay them for their work or is it appropriate to pay them for their work? And, and once I was able to think about it from that perspective, it no longer felt like I had difficulty wrapping my head around it. So, and I think that so many of these creators are understanding to like put a Venmo link in their bio um, or in their link tree of things, like how you can pay them, but there's ways. And so like when you repost something that your friends posted, find the original content creator, like go down the rabbit hole to find the original content creator and repost directly from that source if possible. Yep. That means it that's that's really important as well because we have a tendency to whitewash things by accident mm -hmm. when i repost something that a white friend has posted it's better for me to go back in time and find the original content creator and then also just to look and see if they're looking for donations for a certain yep. charity of their choice or if they're taking direct funding and it's the least i can do and i've had a lot of good conversations with people that i've donated to because i'm like well this is how much i have to give you right now I repost your content probably daily, or sometimes I repost your content once a week, but I come back to you always for information. So what would be good for you? And I'm asking them, and, some, and sometimes they don't have the answer, and sometimes they're just thankful to have it, but I keep bringing it up because I want more people to be comfortable talking about what they're worth. Yeah. And I think that too often, uh, Black and people of color are and other people of color do not have these opportunities to talk about their worth. So the more- Or they, ha they have to insist on the conversation, right? Like the, the onus is somehow on the content creator to tell you, to remind you that their work is worth something. That's not- is so shitty. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd rather come, hi, I'm going to pay you. Is this accurate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like talking to a freelancer what's your rate what's your yeah, situation basically because that's what they're doing they're doing freelance they're putting all their work out there and yes instagram is free yes facebook is free but it's not nothing free is there fucking free. Shit in this world it's free exactly we're all you're, products of it so let's at least you're paying for it somehow it. yeah <laughs> you're the product usually though absolutely yep so yeah if, if you can't it, see where the money is your attention is the product Exactly. So shit, man. Let's pay people for all their hard work, their mm -hmm. effort, their research, and their firsthand experience. Like the girl who, um, the girl, the woman who came up with that. Well, not came up with, but it was a video of her being detained. The I'm gonna, you're gonna lose your job. Mm -hmm. um, when it, it, when her family was like, hey, by the way, you know, she's going through some stuff and everything else, like. We're, we're collecting money for her and her son. And I'm like, word, here's all your money because you made the summer hit of the year. Like, <laughs> take it. You deserve it. And I, I pay her a couple times because every time I hear it, I feel like, is she getting her... Uh, is she getting her royalties? Is she getting her royalties? And so I keep writing. I'm like, here's your royalty check. Like, here it is because everyone uses it. It's used as an anthem at protests. It's used on every single Karen post that you see. So like, I just, I got to give her money. Yeah. She's made it. She took a, it was a really important moment that she's now like, well, it sucks how this happened. But at the same time I did say this, so let's, let's do something else. And I think she's trying to record it and do another project with it. So I, I hope she gets all the money in the world. She deserves <laughs> it. 
one must be a lovely, amazing soul to come up with that on the spot like that. So anyways, yeah. So pay people what they're worth and volunteer to pay. I don't want to have to tell you to pay people and they don't want to ask, but it's important that, and it's even like when I do tarot readings, I now charge for tarot readings because I do need something that there's some kind of exchange for the material and for Mm -hmm. the effort and the time. It's not a lot, but it's, there's kind of like this little spiritual barrier where I don't feel taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to just be another white person, like repeating everything into the void that, you know, black and other people of color are making without recognizing, like they put in time. They absolutely yep. put in time. All right. That was long winded. That's my goal. But well worth it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think that's it for us. It is. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we are most active on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters. Um, we, as you, if you follow our Instagram, you have noticed that we really kind of quieted down over the last couple of months. And again, that was largely because we were trying to really focus on our daily work, um, being anti-racism and promoting other voices other than our own. But we are still looking at Instagram. We are still paying attention. Um, So if you have feedback, ideas, suggestions, comments, we would really love to hear them. Um, And that's probably the best place to reach us. Uh, You can find the show notes at stitchcraftsisters.com. Yeah. And we're on Ravelry and other things, but Instagram seems to be what most people like. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're often as well. Just (laughs) ourselves. (laughs) Indeed. Thank you, gang. We'll talk soon. Yes. Bye. Bye.